Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. We finally have a playoff opponent for the Phoenix Suns. There's really no more mystery. Suns and the Mavericks. Oh, no. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> you actually that's, have to be one of the top ten teams in your conference to be in the play-in or that's, playoffs. That's right. My yeah, bad. I, but, hey, you know. <laughs> obviously, Luke is the best player in the world, right? And that's why he can't get his team out of 11th. Right. Um, the the Suns are going to get the uh, the LA Clippers in the first round of the playoffs. We had Eddie Johnson on earlier, and, and he obviously can give you that that player's perspective. And he talked about, okay, now here you go. It doesn't matter how you win games. Doesn't matter what your numbers are. There's there's really no more analyzing and looking for style points. Now it is just win the games for what is it? Twelve of the teams. You're just trying to win sixteen games for those playing teams. You might have to win one or two more. But if you're the Phoenix Suns. You now on this date, April tenth, K Ray, you've got Kev, you've got Kevin Durant, you've got Devin Booker, you've got Chris Paul, you've got DeAndre Ayton, and you've got some depth behind it. Everybody's ready to go, and you got to win sixteen games. Yeah, um, it's it's why you pulled the trigger on the trade, a trade that you know a lot of fans still are wringing their hands and struggling with, especially considering the season uh, that Mikel Bridges had when he went to Brooklyn. And look, it, it goes without saying, everybody, everybody loved and still loves Mikel Bridges. But the team as constructed pre-trade, in my mind, was not going to win a championship this year. Yeah, I remember doing the show with Wolf. We were out on uh, Media Row for the uh, for the Super Bowl, the days leading up to the trade, and we were having that conversation. and And maybe I was too optimistic. I, I thought if you if you just if you kept that team together and you got healthy, which they never really were this season, you were a contender. But to be honest, I mean, if we got to the playoffs right now, same record and everything, but that was the roster. They wouldn't be a favorite for me. I think you would go Milwaukee. You'd have to go Golden State, probably Boston. I, I, they, I, I do believe they would have been a contender, but I, I, a contender being like, hey, maybe you make it to the second or third round. This team, as it's currently constructed, should win the Western Conference. Correct. Sure. Correct. And, 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 and I say that because I, I love that team pre-trade. It's a fun team. I love those guys. Yeah. I love who they are as people. I love who they are as players. I remember talking to you that day, actually, after the trade. You said it was tough in the, in the hotel for oh, everybody. I mean, yeah. We were all down there, and there was, there was a lot of tears shed by everybody, and, and myself included, because of who Mikel and... Cam, and I don't want to leave out Dario. Uh, you know, Dario gets left out just because of the injury and everything, but all three of those guys are just superhuman beings. Yeah. And it speaks to the type of people, not just players, but the type of people that James and that staff go after. Um, but that being said, you know, it is still a business. You're in the business to win trying games to win and, and to thing, try to yeah. win a championship. And at the end of the day, you have to say, if, if if you're going to get a Kevin Durant, you have to give something of major value up. So you you tip your cap to the organization for getting the talent of a Mikhail Bridges and a Cam Johnson. 
and having draft picks to say, we have the capital to go get a Kevin Durant. A guy who has won multiple titles. A guy who has won multiple finals MVPs. Because if you want the chip, we can sit here and talk about, oh my God, you know, the most winningest franchise in league history without a title. Yeah, you got to win a title. That's, that's the thing. This, this could really end up being a turning point for us, I think, as just like as a fan base and a, and a market of, I think a lot of times, and I think it's just because this is the reality we've been dealing with. We get so invested in our, well, we like this player. Well, this is our favorite player. I mean, I, I go, I've referenced this before, but you go back to when they got Chris Paul and there were Suns fans that were like, I don't want to give up Kelly Oubre Jr. for Chris Paul. Right. Yeah, we get it. We all like Kelly Oubre Jr. He's not Chris Paul. Like, there's a certain point where you have to go from, I want my favorite players to I want to win titles. And I don't blame the fans for this. I think we all fall into this because there have been no titles. So you have to embrace your favorite players. But this is now all the chips are in the center of the table. Now, the flip side to this is you've got KD and you've got Chris Paul and you've got Devin Booker and you've got DA. So there's your core four right now. Right. But what do you have beyond that? Because Monty Williams, you know, a month or so ago was talking about his playoff rotation. What do you say? Nine and a half guys is what he wants to go with. I mean, Okay, we were looking at this during the break. You can rattle off 12, 13 players they could choose. So how much of this is going to be, hey, here's our 9 or 10 guys, or is it going to change round to round, game to game, quarter to quarter? <laughs> like, you do want to tighten up your rotation this time of year if you can. Oh, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And, and we saw th- that's the only, I guess, frustrating part about the the timing of the the injury with KD is because it didn't really afford and allow Monty to play around with some of those rotations as much as he would have liked. Now having said that, just in talking to Monty, you know, they they've got all this analytical information that they can look at and based on even small sample sizes gives them a pretty good gauge and read on this guy works with this group, this guy doesn't, but he works better with this group. And this is where I think this week in particular will pay dividends. And yes, I understand it's not games, but because they know their playoff opponent. Yeah, it's totally different from last year in that regard. Right. And that's something that that EJ and I talked about on the telecast earlier in the week is that, you know, the one downside if there is a downside to to being that number one and number two seeds is you don't know who you're playing. I think we kind of saw that last year with the Suns. They were a little bit off in that first round. And and Monty was asked this yesterday, and he said it, it, it's kind of a two-part thing. One, they took their foot off the gas with like six, seven games to go because they had everything wrapped up. They had such a significant lead. So guys kind of start going into resting mode. Okay, I can chill for a little bit because we've got a full week before we play. And the, the whole theory and belief and timing and rhythm versus you know uh, rest versus rust, it's real. Yeah. It is well, absolutely it real. Last year. And you faced a New Orleans team that beat all the odds. So they came in riding a huge adrenaline rush, and they had they played in 
two must-win games. So they came in with this battle-tested mentality. Meanwhile, the Suns are coming off of 64 wins, everybody patting them on the back, all this rest, and all of a sudden, they catch a couple of haymakers. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God. New Orleans was not the team to play in that situation. No. Now, they got through it, obviously, but it, it, it seemed to mess them up, I, I think, even for the part of the Dallas series. Yeah. All right, we come back over to football. Todd McShay released his draft prospect tier. So where do the players that have been linked to the Cardinals the most rank in those tiers? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke. Kevin Ray is in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, so let's see. NBA playoffs starting up. Play-in starting up this week. Playoffs starting this weekend. You've got the Diamondbacks, who are 6-4 and four and don't have to deal with the Dodgers now for four months. And oh, by the way, K-Ray. K-Ray's in for Wolf today. Uh, the NFL draft is in like two and a half weeks. Wow. And the Cardinals have a pretty big decision to make, as we were just talking about uh, earlier. Uh, and now, to just kind of add a little bit more to that, Todd McShay put out his his draft tier rankings. I love this. Where they just not and we're not going like one through fifty or whatever, just break them into tiers, right? Okay, Todd, you've been doing this, you've you've been doing this for years and you've been focused on these players now for basically eleven and a half months at least, depending on, on what year they were in school. Right. So put them in tiers. And it goes back, I think we have to start here with the conversation you and I were having earlier of do you do you just keep pick number three if you can't trade with the Colts and just move down one spot and still get Will Anderson and go all in on Will Anderson or do you want to stockpile a bunch of picks because if you stick with Will Anderson who I like a lot and it sounds like you like a lot and Wolf obviously loves the guy that guy does have to be amazing at that point if, if you passed on three four five additional picks you could get given where the uh, the Cardinals are this is not like a fringe playoff team hey we're gonna add Will Anderson and good luck so he needs to be one of the three or four best players in the draft if you do that and a lot of the draft analysts we've had on have said he is if, if that, that's the guy he's gonna be but you never know for sure so this is I, I'm looking at it right now uh, McShay's his uh, his draft tiers he has two players in the top two and in that top tier and uh, and neither one of them are will Anderson right it's Bryce Young and Bijan Robinson the running back out of Texas yeah so take that for what it's worth. Uh, and he did, look, he's not saying those are going to be the first two picks in the draft. They're obviously not. We were talking about Bijan Robinson during the break. Right. And I, I reiterated how thankful I am that a, a talent like that from Tucson did not go to U of A. Because <laughs> that could have been a real issue for the rest of the Pac-12 if he did. Agreed. Um, yeah. And, and the thing that, that we were chatting about earlier is, you know, for for the Cardinals, I'm assuming the the conversation that they are having with uh, Monty is how close are we? How much of a rebuild is this? Because we all know and understand coming into this this season is a full on rebuild. How much of a rebuild is is it a is it a full teardown or is it a stopgap one year kind of recorrect? Kyler will be fully healthy this time next year. I think it has to be that, doesn't it? If it were me, that's what it would have to be. In the NFL in 2023, where you see teams turn it around in one year. Right. 
I don't know that you can do a full teardown when you have a quarterback you're paying that much money well, to. R- r- exactly. But I don't know that they see it that way because all their actions so far this offseason have been like, ah, yeah, we'll get back to winning in a few years. Now, it, you know, it maybe it just looks that way. And maybe they're going to go out there and they're going to crush the draft and they're going to start to turn things around. But I can just tell you what I would do if it were me. I would be approaching this as... Let's not get stupid here, and let's not overspend on a on a guy that we're going to have for two years, but one of them is going to be this year, which is maybe going to be a waste. But I'm not looking to do this for more than a year. If it, Just my personality, I wouldn't want to. But then factor in that it's the NFL, you shouldn't have to. And the most important thing is you're paying a quarterback to, you're paying him contend for the Super Bowl money. So <laughs> are you really going to tear it down and just wait a few years until he's either going to be a complete waste of money if you're not trying to win or he's going to keep getting better. And then eventually when he really peaks, he's going to go somewhere else and you will have paid for his development. Right. Like, I think there should be some urgency here in some ways. Agreed. Agreed. The the question then becomes is does Will Anderson move the needle enough to keep your fan base like fully engaged and a little bit like we were talking about with the Diamondbacks, you know, the last couple of seasons, you know, the fans after like June last year, you say, okay, I can, I can see, I can see the sunrise on the other rise on this other side of the invest. Give them something to invest in. Right. Yeah. And considering, and while you may not want to acknowledge it, it's reality considering all the things that have occurred with this organization over the last, well, going on a year. Yeah. I, I guess That's when you... 15 when, months. 15 yeah. months, it's been exhausting. When you think about it, um, that has to be a part of, of your thinking. So could Will Anderson be that stopgap? And, and in addition to that, can Will Anderson not only make plays on the field, but can Will Anderson help make you... And you've got to do some work on the side, but can Will Anderson help accelerate the idea of being a destination for other free agents? Can can a veteran go, I want to play with that dude. I want to play on the defensive side of the ball with that dude because he can help make me money. See, this is where, and I, and I go back to, I think you could attack this in such a way where you might not be able to do much about this year because if Kyler, you know, I know he may only miss two or three games. He might miss eight, you know, and and if he misses eight, I don't think you're doing anything this year. Um, I would have attacked it as let's lean all in on the defense. Let's bring back Zach Allen. Let's bring back Byron Murphy. Let's, you know, if we don't give the the fifth-year extension to Isaiah Simmons, let's know in the back of our mind we're going to pay him during the season to make sure he sticks around, and then let's draft Will Anderson. And all of a sudden, you have a pretty nasty defense right. with that group, and you mix in Buda Baker and, and you know Jalen Thompson. You have a nasty defense that can keep you in games even when Kyler isn't playing. And then, just fast-forward to 2024, that defense should be even better, and Kyler's back. That's why I'm saying I don't understand their direction because they let Zach Allen walk. And I know he got paid a lot and maybe he wanted to leave. They let Byron Murphy walk. He didn't get paid that much. You could have brought him back. Right. And they haven't, you know, the jury's stalled on what they do with Isaiah Simmons. But so now I don't think it's as easy to just say, yeah, I had Will Anderson. Because if you added him to that defense, you got a nasty defense. Now you add him to that defense and you might have Will Anderson and Buda Baker. And that's, I don't know if that's worth investing it in. Well, and... I guess you also, while we're asking hard, realistic questions from a financial standpoint as the number three pick, when you consider the money that this team has 
paid out and is going to be continuing to pay out for the foreseeable future for players? Good point. I don't want to hear, but you're coaches, right. Does that get... I'm sure that, let's be honest, that's not, not going to throw it out there publicly, but... I'm sure it's a factor. It's, I really hope it isn't. But it's, right, it is. It's real. Yeah. That number, that number is hard and it's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both this year and the next four years. <laughs> yeah, because you're paying a coach to not coach your team, a GM to not GM your team, and right now you're paying a quarterback to rehab. And the last one's not anybody's fault. But you, you're you're paying out a lot of money to guys that are not going to help you at all, and um, yeah, I and, hope and, I hope that's not a factor. But I would be naive to say it isn't. And by all accounts, how much of it is real? How much of it is you know just disgruntled guys? But it sure feels and sounds like money is going to need to be spent. And granted, this isn't like Kyler kind of money, but you still got to invest more. It sounds to me like in your organizational in terms of what you are providing to players. You don't want to come out this time next year and be in the bottom third again of the NFLPA. No. No, because, survey. because they framed it, the NFLPA framed it the, this this first time that they've done it as, hey, this is just a you know, reference point for teams to look at and improve. So I, I kind of feel like, I know perceptually it doesn't look great for the Cardinals and a few other teams, but I almost feel like you could write it off this year and be like, hey, look, they hadn't done that survey before. Okay? Right. So maybe we didn't fully realize you know, how our players felt in relation to other players around the league. But a year from now, it's fixed. But if you don't, and it's like, hey, these other teams fixed it, and you're just kind of here again. You're, yeah, you're right. That's not, and that's not Kyler. It's not going to take Kyler money to to do that, but it is going to take some money. Well, and and what you have to acknowledge is that I assure you, it becomes a talking point and focal point for agents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whether you, whether you want to believe it or not, I mean, agents tend a- to exaggerate too. A- right. <laughs> You know, when they send you memos in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> all right, text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Suns-Clippers round one. What does that matchup look like for Phoenix? We're going to ask Hall of Famer and Myers-Drysdale next. It's Wolf and Luke. K-Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Hi, welcome back to the show here on this Monday morning. Luke Lipinski, Kevin Ray is in for Wolf. Today it is Wolf and Luke, and we're talking some basketball. And K-Ray, we're just bringing in all your friends. Because now joining, we already talked to EJ earlier. And now joining us on the uh, Arizona Sports Line is Ann Myers-Drysdale, of course, the VP of the Phoenix Suns and Mercury and Broadcaster. Uh, Ann, thank you for the time. How are you doing today? Good morning. Good morning, guys. Carrie, double duty, buddy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> we, well, you're I'm glad we got talented e- anyways. You can go all over the place and do it. <laughs> I'm glad we got EJ out of the way, you know, early. <laughs> Ann's a lot nicer to you than EJ was. <laughs> right. You notice that? <laughs> EJ's response was, I didn't know K-Ray was here. I'll just call back later. <laughs> uh, all right. He's probably out on He wanted it early so he could get his tea time going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know him very well, Eddie. <laughs> uh, and we're, we're looking at the fact now 
that we finally have an opponent for the Suns. Uh, you know, all all of the ups and downs of this season are are essentially in the rearview mirror. So I feel weird now asking this question after setting it up that way. But <laughs> we were talking about this last week with Wolf. This season felt like four different seasons with four different Suns teams. I mean, what, what was your impression of this year? Yeah, it was hard. I mean, you know, certainly with the injuries and losing uh, Mikhail and, and Cam and. Uh, but bringing uh, KD in and then having to wait for him and uh, Chris and, and uh, Devin having to sit out with their injuries and so forth. And um, DA was up and down with some in and out with some injuries and so forth. So uh, I think it gave a great opportunity for Monty to use the bench. I mean, we saw people keep, I, I listen to other announcers uh, throughout the league and it's like, well, who's the bench? Their bench isn't that good. This and that. And I'm thinking, good. I hope you don't know who we are. <laughs> Because yeah. our bench has pulled us through a lot of different games. And even Jacques yesterday, I mean, we had one center. <laughs> and we did pretty good. Yeah. Right, right. And, you know, it's is it a bench that, you know, possesses uh, an Eric Gordon like the Clippers have? You know, what, what you would consider like big name bench guys? No, but... The the value, as you pointed out, Annie, that that the Suns have been able to come away with because of all the different experiences with guys being pushed into starters roles, and then they're back on the bench, and then they're back into the starters roles. Um, you know, the guy that will be coming off the bench that has been a starter most of the season that's Tory Craig, and we we know what kind of a a tested veteran is Tory uh, from past playoff experiences. Tory's had a career year. And you're bringing him off the bench now. So I think a lot of times when when the the so-called experts around the league say, you know, who's on the Suns bench? Well, you know, they don't have a lot of depth. They forget that Torrey Craig is going to be coming off the bench, and he's yeah. been a starter most of the season. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Sabian Lee played so well with Cam Johnson out with his back and uh, hopefully or Cam Johnson campaign and uh, hopefully he'll be back. But like EJ was talking about, you know, you want your veteran players that have had some playoff experience in there. I think the challenge all season long has been for Monty and the coaching staff because of all the different lineups. Yeah. And how to get a rotation going. What is that rotation? And is he going to be able to rest Devon or, or KD or, or CP3 at, you know, at the two-minute mark with, you know, is, uh, end of one of the quarters or whatever? And uh, our fouls are going to be a factor. And we've seen Devin get, you know, are we going to get to the free throw line? Or are we going to send the other team to the free throw line? Uh, but I think Monty has had a great challenge this year as far as his rotations and who he's going to play in how many minutes. Yeah, and I think I go back to the game Thursday against Denver, and while Denver didn't play any of their starters, the 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 magic words and the look from Kevin Durant when he looked at the box score it says forty minutes. Yeah, I I I, I love I love that forty minute mark. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about probably not Chris at least on in an every game situation. But keep in mind this isn't. The, the situation with Chris from the last two seasons. So if Chris needs to play 35 to 41 game, I think he will be more than ready to do so. Book more than no, ready. I, I agree. And, and the game's going to dictate it. No right. question. KD and, definitely uh, ready for it. So that's, the that, yeah. So that, that bench, that bench that everybody keeps focusing on is not going to be playing 15 to 20 minutes. 
Uh, we're talking. Yeah, and it's you know, and I, I'm looking forward to DeAndre Ayton. You know, we we saw it a few years ago in the playoffs and what he's capable of doing, and uh, he's had some rest now going into these playoffs, and certainly the Clippers have become a, a little bit of a rivalry, even though it's a completely different team than when we played them a few years ago in the playoffs. But um, I, I just I look for him, and we we all talk about it. You know, it just for him to shine, and and this is his opportunity, and they've got two pretty good centers and uh he wants to be great this is his opportunity and myers drysdale joining us on the arizona sports line uh and one of the the interesting developments when we've gotten to see kevin durant on the floor is how much the opportunities increase for chris paul to just be a scorer and and the way he can be a scorer which is the catch and shoot uh you know in, in years past he had the score now it feels like he doesn't necessarily have to for them to have success and yet the opportunities might be there what what have you seen from chris paul and, and even just throughout his career to to look at a guy that can evolve his game 18 years in and become more of a scoring threat if they need to yeah, I had a chance to talk to him early in March when I was over there before I had my knee replacement. Um, and uh, but Chris was saying he was so happy, you know, having KD there and, and Devin is like the three of them just talking basketball and just enjoying the game. And he said, "Look, at I, I've got to find what." I can do to get these guys going and who's going to get the ball when they're going to get the ball. So, I mean, he's still a master of trying to figure out this team in the sense of, okay, that's been his role is distributing the ball. And we know that he can score, but now that, you know, he is healthy, um, he's got the opportunity where people are saying, Oh, we don't want him to give up the ball. And so he's saying, you know, yeah, I'm going to look for my shot. So his role has changed in that. And I think, you know, obviously his teammates recognize that, especially Kevin and Devin. And uh, they know what he can is do and what he's capable of doing, not just getting everybody the ball. But if they're going to slack off on him and, and uh, double-team KD or, or Devin or, or even DA down low, um, you know, he'll take the shot or he'll get the ball in the corner to Koji or, or uh, Warren and, uh, you know, hopefully TJ's available. Ross has been shooting the ball well. And uh, as you said, Tory Craig coming in. I mean, we've got shooters on the outside too. So, you know, certainly – Chris showed it the other day. He's capable of knocking down a lot of threes and uh, and the mid range. Uh, when you look at, at how this team's set up now, you know one of the the. I don't want to say issues, but one of the thoughts was, are they going to have enough time to play together as a team? And I saw the stat the other day where they've already played. KD has played more regular season or as many regular season games with Chris Paul and Devin Booker as he did his whole first year with James Harden and Kyrie in Brooklyn. Uh, KD was talking, you know, last week about how they can still build chemistry off the court too. What are your thoughts on that? Well, they're so close. I think, they, again, they're all basketball junkies. I mean, this is their life, and they love the game, and they watch the game and how they can get better and where guys want the ball and so forth. And uh, their chemistry is great off the court. And to have that and bring it on the court, I think, is, is so important. And uh, the fact that they're having fun, I mean, that's the biggest thing. And uh, you're right about the chemistry thing. And you you were wondering if Monty would play them the last two games, per se, in the sense of, you know, getting their timing together, getting everything, you know, working and, and uh, where they're going to be and so forth. But I think they know each other so well. And, you know, when Kay Ray, you know this, you go out and pick, go play at a pickup game. And after one game or just, you know, a few times, you figure out what where the guy wants the ball or if he's going to backdoor and so forth like that. And it's, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, getting the defense 
and uh, offensively, I think we're going to be okay. It's, you know, just making sure on our rotations and we're able to communicate with each other. Yeah, and look, and I think that's what probably has gotten lost in that that winning streak when uh, that group was on the floor is the, the Suns' defense and the level of improvement with Kevin Durant. Nobody talks about KD's defense, and that is... Unless the, he's blocking that, SGA from behind. Yeah, that, yeah. that is the <laughs> hidden gem in all of this. And we appreciate... It really is. Yeah, and, and, and also, they, you know, all year long, they talk about Chris Paul and his defense. He slowed down this and that. Yes, he's 37 years old, but it's like, he's still stealing the ball. Yeah, yeah. He's still getting in the way. He is so smart. And now they play with, along KD and, and Devin's defense has improved, and nobody talks about Devin's defense. You know, and that's one thing he's always worked on since he's been in this league. He knew his offense was going to come, but, you know, he prides himself on the defensive end, too. But to have three guys like that, and then if you've got D.A., if he can be a rim protector, and you've got Jock and Busy coming off the bench, that's huge. And, and then Wainwright, you know, being physical, because uh, this is a, a physical team that the Clippers have. And thank you so much for the time. We'll talk to you again throughout these playoffs, all right? Thank you, guys. K-Ray, it's going to be fun this first week. Yes, it is. All right, Hall okay. of Famer. Take care of that Take knee. <laughs> Be cool to just be a, your nickname's Hall of Famer. That's a pretty good, right? pretty good spot to be in. I mean, that, that you know, like I say, I I've got a pretty great job. I get to broadcast with the Hall of Famer. I get to broadcast with the Sixth Man of the Year award. Al sat in with us on the TV side last yeah. week. I mean, I've been smiling for like weeks now. That's it. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> just slumming it over here. I got brought back to earth today. Yeah, just some humble pie. That's all this show is. All right, coming up next, we'll look around the Western Conference because um, things are getting weird around the Western Conference in the NBA. It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. All right, K-Ray. It's uh, Wolf and Luke. K-Ray in for Wolf today. We're going to go around the the Western Conference playoff picture, but we need to get into this Mavericks story and and just how weird this is. Who they're facing in the the play-in playoff? Is there there a consolation bracket? Is there there any of those? Does the NBA have like an NIT-type tournament that the Mavericks are playing? Give it like three more years, they might actually. (laughs) In-season NIT. Uh, This got weird, and it got weird on Friday. Wolf and I were talking about it, but we didn't, I don't think, fully know just how weird it was going to get because... For me, I was in disbelief because Dallas went into their game on Friday against Chicago still in it. Now, yeah, you're not going to be the five seed, but you're still in it to get into the play-in tournament, right? So I'm just going to frame this like this. I'm not the world's biggest Mavericks fan. Luka's really talented. He's become a lot less enjoyable to watch. But it doesn't change the fact he's really talented and one of the best players in the league. So it puts me in a tough spot, but I'm going to do it for 10 seconds for the sake of the show. If I were running the Dallas Mavericks, I would look at Luka and say, we got this guy. We got a shot. Let's just see what happens in the play-in tournament. That's what these other teams in the play-in tournament, that's what the Lakers and the Pelicans and Minnesota and the Thunder, we'll get to Minnesota in a second, but that's what they're all saying of, okay, we got to win a game or two and then we'll be in the playoffs. Dallas went out. With far less talented teams. That's the thing. (laughs) Dallas went out 
sat all most of their players on on Friday night to make sure they lost in case people don't know this so that they could keep their top 10 protected lottery pick hopefully keep it hope yeah not even a guarantee and honestly <laughs> if I'm Adam Silver I look I don't want accusations if I'm Adam Silver of, of the lottery being rigged I would on TV take their ping pong ball and set it aside <laughs> until we got to the 11th pick and then put it back in the machine oh well, it would have been really compelling is just reach in Adam and everybody fully knowing and grabbing like three ping pong balls and just setting them aside not showing the logo yeah but just setting them aside yeah <laughs> with everybody knowing what the logo was but <laughs> but look if, if to, to go back to your your comment about if you were running the Mavericks well if you were running the Mavericks you wouldn't have let Jalen Brunson go that's true. Um, and I wouldn't if have you were running Kyrie, probably. The Although Mavericks, this isn't Kyrie's fault. You, you would not have, have pulled the trigger on that deal. This team from a year ago that beat the Suns was another addition away from, at the very least, potentially getting back to the conference finals. And yeah. maybe, maybe even getting to the NBA finals. But you traded away the remaining defensive minded players that you had, some 3 and D guys, and you let the guy who really was the bulldog of the defense mentality and the for for all of the the kind of eyebrow, you know, eye rolls that the people get with Luca, people love Jalen Brunson and his story. And I just thought it he was... He killed the Suns, by the way, last year in that series. Jalen Brunson, he, when he got going. Yes, yeah. he did. He he was... Say what you want about Luka, but Jalen Brunson was the fire starter. Um, I just thought it was very odd where Mark Cuban came out last week and blamed Jalen Brunson's dad yeah. for not giving them a shot. I'm like, well, he was your guy. Like, you had a chance to match. Yeah, figure it out. It was, in some ways, Steve Nash all over again. He let Steve Nash walk because he thought that Steve's durability was, you know, in question and wasn't going to spend the money. How'd that work out? That wasn't a good assessment. He let Jalen Brunson walk because they thought they would do fine without him. And then they go sign Christian Wood, who was a nice addition. Christian played very well for them. They didn't even play against Chicago because he was resting for next season, apparently. And then they spent, and I love love me some JaVale McGee. We all know what JaVale meant for this Suns team last year. Why on earth would you give three years and $21, million to JaVale with the kind of offensive system that you run, which does not play to the strengths of JaVale McGee. No. There's a reason JaVale played well last year with the Suns because the Suns were unable to unlock his kind of hidden offensive talents. He goes to Dallas with a ball-dominant guard. It felt like he wasn't even on Dallas this year. So the move starting with the offseason last year should have been like a, a major warning to Mavericks fans. The only reason that... I'm bringing this up again. Is is if you're a Suns fan, you're just kind of driving around. You're at work today or whatever, and you're like, you've you've been paying attention to the Suns, right? But you haven't been paying close attention to the rest of the Western Conference, maybe for the last few days. And now you're kind of settling in. All right, playing games. Uh, you know who's playing Dallas? Who am I going to root for? Because they're playing. Dallas isn't even in. They purposely missed the playoffs. There's no other way to put it. The league's investigating them for it. That's how bad it was. I don't know if they'll actually do anything, but they purposely missed the playoffs. 
so that they could, like you said, hopefully for them, keep their top 10 protected pick. Because if they pick 11 through 30, it's going to the Knicks. If they pick 1 through 10, they get to keep the pick. But there's no guarantee that they pick 1 through 10 because there is a lottery. And they sat all their guys and they played Luka for one quarter against they had Chicago and San Antonio. You're telling me you can't win those two games? And I'll just go back to this. There's a lot of talk before all this that Dallas is trying to figure out a way to make sure they keep Luka happy, right? You make sure we got to keep this guy here so he doesn't bolt for the Lakers or the Knicks or whoever. You basically went to Luka over the weekend and said, we're going to just waste a year of your career so that we can pick 10th in the draft. Because if I'm Luka Doncic, I'm like, put me in the play-in tournament. I can beat Minnesota. I can beat the Lakers. And then we're in a best-of-seven series against Sacramento, or not Sacramento, but Memphis or whatever. Look at New Orleans last year. Yes. It's New Orleans had to win the, to me, ten, just the two games as, as, the, as the number 10 team. And they did it. And they took the Suns damn near to a game seven. And, and yeah, and, and here's the other thing. Like, okay, let's say you keep that pick. And you're at nine or ten. Who you, cares? You're telling me you're going to get a difference maker? A, a difference maker enough with Luca? Are you going to be able to keep Kyrie? And oh, by the way, that's not going to be cheap. So now you're going to have probably 65 to 70% of your cap money tied up in Luca and Kyrie. Two guys that might not want to be there in a year. I mean, if, if I'm Luca, and again, it's hard for me to put myself in this spot, but if I'm Luca, I would be upset today. Because you just basically told me you don't believe that I can lead a team in a, a, a best of one against New Orleans and then a best of one against you know the Lakers or whoever, or Minnesota probably. It probably would have been New Orleans and then Minnesota to get in because you would figure Dallas would be in over Oklahoma City, so you'd have to beat New Orleans to get into the second little round of the play-in. I just, it's... I love it. Don't get me wrong, because Dallas didn't even make the play-in tournament this year, and they do seem to be self-destructing. But it's mind-boggling to me, and if I were the NBA, I would be livid. Because this is years of allowing tanking to go on, reaching a level that's just absurd. And it's funny, K-Ray, I was, I was reading, I think it was, it was a Dallas paper today. To make sure I wasn't missing any of the specifics. Right. And they were like, well, you know, nobody's bringing up that Chicago rested some of their players. Chicago's in. Right. That you're allowed to rest your players. They, they had their spot secured. Yes, Dallas purposely <laughs> wanted to miss the playoffs. That's not the same thing. As somebody said yesterday or, or Saturday, uh, the problem with what Dallas did, um, everybody knew it. But they said the quiet part out loud. (laughs) (laughs) When Jason Kidd, and I don't know if anybody watched Jay Kidd's pregame press conference that Friday, but that was a man who was talking like he wasn't on board with it. I don't know. The organization made a decision. The organization, you know, made this choice. The organization. Yeah. Uh, Wasn't we. By the way, this is not like if you miss... In this, this in itself, I still would think would be a mess. But this is not like, hey, if you miss, you get Victor Wembanyama. No, no. If you miss, you might get to keep your tenth overall pick. Cool. Totally worth just wasting an entire. Why even try all season? Why not just make sure that you were? Yeah. Why not just sit there and tank all season then? And by the way, Suns fans got lots of receipts. <laughs> uh, coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray, in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.